Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome to the Pulse of St. Louis. I'm Shirley Washington. In the 1950s, the city of Creve Coeur condemned the home of a prominent African-American doctor to prevent him and his family from moving into the community. Well, the land his home was built on was turned into Bernie Park and his home was turned into the park's country club. Now there's an effort to right the wrong that happened to Dr. Howard Venable and his wife Katie decades ago. I spoke with Jim Singer, a historian, to learn more details about this story. I'm from St. Louis and in the early to mid-1960s my, my parents uh, took our family to Bernie Park and my, my mother told me the story of the park, that a prominent African-American physician had uh, bought a home in Creve Coeur and the uh, city took his home and turned it into this park. Uh, so fast forward 50 years, hard to believe, uh, two years ago, I was taking my own grandson, who was four years old then, to Bernie Park. Uh, my son, daughter-in-law, and three grandsons all live in Creve Coeur. And I look around and I think to myself, this is the park my mother told me about. Nothing to tell the story of the park. And I went on the website, nothing. And that really uh, motivated me to uh, want to research and write about the story of the park. Uh, I've always been interested in history. And at this stage of my life, I thought, well, wouldn't this be a great uh, piece to write about and see if I could uh, get some public interest on it. So why did the city of Creve Coeur take the family's property? Well, uh, uh, I hate to, you know, the R word is not a, uh, people don't like to hear that, but I, I think racism, it was racism. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what happened uh, in a nutshell was that, doc, that the Venables, Dr. Uh, Howard Katie Venable and 11 other African-American families uh, sought to move into what then was called Spady Meadows, which was just getting platted. Uh, and um, it really was a, a story, to some extent, right out of the movie Raisin in the Sun. Uh, the families were uh, approached uh, by uh, an attorney who represented their white neighbors and who I think basically said, you're not welcome here and uh, made an offer to buy them out. So 11 of the 12 families sold out. The one family who didn't sell out was Dr. Howard and Katie Venable. Uh, Dr. Venable was, uh, you know, believed in fighting for his civil rights. He thought he had the same right to live there as, as anyone uh, else. So what happened next was that the, uh, what, what's really kind of unusual about the situation is that the, the, the role of the city so the, uh, it, this all happened very quickly. The city set up a citizens committee on parks. The citizens committee had one meeting. Uh, they made two recommendations to the city. 
One is that if, an, if the neighbors in any subdivision wanted to have a park in the subdivision, and if the neighbors paid a portion of the land acquisition, then the city had to do what the neighbors wanted. And the second part was to have the park at the Venables <laughs> home. So that recommendation goes to the city. It becomes uh, an ordinance, and the Venables are told, you either uh, sell your property to the city or we're going to bring a condemnation action. And there was then a three-year lawsuit from 1956-1959 where the city tried to take the uh, property, and the Venables said this was race discrimination. One of the interesting things about this story is that the neighbors raised $25,000 in 1956 to give to the city to finance this park purchase. Uh, that is really an astounding amount of money. It's, it's about a quarter of a million dollars in today's uh, dollars. And when you think about the fear and the racism that motivated those neighbors to come up with that kind of money, it really is astounding. And of um, course, even more astounding is they're trying to keep a family out. Trying to keep a family out. Now, Dr. Howard Venable was just an outstanding St. Louisan and American. Uh, he was the first African American uh, on the faculty of Washington University School of Medicine. His portrait uh, hangs in the School of Medicine. He received uh, a national humanitarian award from the American Ophthalmology Society. And um, just all sorts of awards, uh, just an outstanding individual. So what actually happened with the property? I mean, I understand that it became a park. So did the Venables just give up, or what happened? Well, what, what happened then, uh, in 19, uh, at the end of 1959, the case is finally decided by the Missouri Court of Appeals, and this is one of the tragedies of the case, that the uh, Missouri Court of Appeals said, that the city, now this is 1959, that the city had the right to take his home and exclude him because of his race. Pretty astounding today, but that's what the court said. They could not prevent the city from doing this. So Dr. Venable um, finally at that point gave in and uh, sold his property to the city. Um, now, what, one of the other interesting parts of this story is that while Dr. Venable was fighting this battle with the city, uh, Temple Israel, which was a uh, Jewish synagogue that was then located in the city, had bought property in Creve Corps as well. And Creve Corps had presented, prevented Temple Israel from building a synagogue. So there were two lawsuits going on in tandem with each other. There was the Venable race discrimination lawsuit the Temple Israel religious discrimination. Uh, within six months of the Venable decision, the Missouri Court of Appeals actually ruled in favor of Temple Israel, so they were able to build that large synagogue that's there at um, uh, Ladue and uh, Warson. Um, and that while Dr. Venable was fighting this battle, he did make common cause with Temple Israel. There, it was heavily covered in both the Post, the Globe, the St. Louis Argus and the St. Louis American. Uh, 1960, uh, they, they take the Venable home. Uh, John Burney, who had led the Citizens Committee, he, he had been the mayor from 53 to 56, voted out of office uh, from 56 to 60, comes back in in 60. Uh, so he's there when they take the Venables home. The park 
is then named in honor of Mayor Bernie. And, and then they take the Venables home. It had been built. And they turn it into the, the park clubhouse. Uh, if you can just imagine, it was a beautiful uh, suburban ranch house that is the clubhouse of a park. And it remained the park clubhouse until the mid-1990s when it was finally demolished. Uh, so what, what's happening today uh, is that um, it's through a, a combination of uh, a lot of people getting involved. There's an increased public attention uh, to what happened so long ago. You know, I think for a long time a lot of people felt, you know, this happened 60 years ago. How is it relevant to today? And uh, finally, um, people started you know, I think Creve Corps, the leadership, the elected leaders of Creve Corps decided that this is something that had to be faced up to. The immediate event uh, which really got things going was <laughs> Harvard University, of all places, uh, has a program called the Commonwealth Project, which you, you can Google it. It was established to help St. Louis after Ferguson. And there is a uh, history professor at Harvard named Walter Johnson who is writing, is about to publish a book on race relations in St. Louis. And he sent two interns to St. Louis last summer. Uh, and they worked with me and other interested groups. And they really, they, they set up the Facebook group. They met with the elected representatives. And at the end of the summer, they had set, helped set up this Venable Park Coalition, which is uh, a number of organizations, including the Washington University School of Medicine staff physicians, uh, different religious organizations, including Sher uh, Congregation. And, uh, and, and this has really moved the thing along. Another big thing was that uh, Tony Messenger, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist at the Post-Dispatch, uh, picked up on it, wrote two articles, which really brought the issue to the public's attention. What do you think about what happened? It's a tragedy. Uh, and um, and there, there's no dispute about it. That was, you know, you know all the, it's so documented in the uh, records of the city of Creve Corps, when you go back and look at the old newspaper articles. Uh, and then the more you, you look into the character and the achievements of Dr. Venable, uh, the, the, the tragedy certainly is first and is foremost what was suffered by the Venables and those other African American families. Uh, and what they lost. You know, they had the same right to the American dream as everybody else. Uh, but, you know, the other tragedy is what might have been in Creve Corps if Dr. Venable and those other African-American families had been welcomed there in the, in the late 50s. You know, what could Creve Corps, what could St. Louis County have been like? You know, we'll, we'll never know. Dr. Venable's family members have made several recommendations as to how to move forward to right the wrong that happened. And the former mayor's family members say they are not opposed to the idea. Another meeting is scheduled to take place in Creve Corps next week. Well, straight ahead on the Pulse of St. Louis, a pastry chef in the Gateway City is making quite a name for herself, creating incredible treats. We'll show you after the break. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for the Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome back to the Pulse of St. Louis.
let you know a pastry chef who creates French treats that are simply out of this world is making quite a name for herself, not just in the Gateway City area, but across the country. Chef Simone Four has a distinctive style and elegance about her work that will leave you awestruck. She joins us now to tell us about the secrets of her success and so much more. Simone, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I don't know about giving out secrets. Though, oh, right? come on. You got to give them a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> but tell us, how did you get started baking? It was, of all of the things that I tried, this was what I was best at. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you, you do different things and you, you experiment. And I was in school for education. And then I thought, you know, I could be a sign language interpreter, but I like to talk too much. And then I went into school for nursing and I baked in my spare time. And I had a much better time in the kitchen than I did a bedside manner. So here I am. Here you are. And you have an incredible shop. Tell us about your bakery. Sure. So Chouquette or La Patisserie Chouquette is a French New Orleans themed bakery that loves nerd pop culture and surprising people and making things that you're not about to get in the kitchen and make yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell us, where is it located? We are on the corner of Tower Grove and McCree at 1626 Tower Grove Avenue, only two blocks north of the Botanical Gardens. And when did you open? February will be seven years, lucky number seven. Wow, yes. congratulations. And we have the address on the, on the screen, 1626 Tower Grove Avenue. And these are your hours, Tuesday through Friday, nine in the morning until two, and then Saturday, nine in the morning until five, correct? Yes, correct. And then we have the phone number as well, 314-932-7935. One of the things that's amazing to me is that you make treats that look like articles. Yes. And food. Mm -hmm. other than bakery cupcakes and pastries and it's amazing well sometimes it's good to kind of open your mind and you think you're getting one thing mm -hmm. but you're getting something else much like in life <laughs> and, and those tools those are treats those are their pretzels chocolate covered pretzels in this watch that was a birthday cake for a dear friend. Oh my gosh, and the yes. scary monster. <laughs> oh, she's she's lovely. She's misunderstood. Of course, oh, she recognizes a billikin. Yeah. So how do you come up with these ideas? And then I guess a better question is, how do you make that happen? So the making it happen is the easy part. Is it? Well, because if you have the mind to think of it, then Surely, or hopefully, something has triggered, you know, a technique in your mind or you, you'll see someone spackle a wall and you can translate that into food. Yeah, like a steak and baked yes. potato, but that's yes. really a cake? When you're around pastry all day, you're just thinking about meat. <laughs> Anyone who says anything and different, eggs. they're not being honest with you, you'll notice a theme with my yeah. taste. It's very savory. Oh my God, pizza? Pizza cookies, yes. But what I'm saying is, how do you do, do you have a mold or how no. does that work? You start carving. You start with a much larger cake and then you start to whittle it down until it becomes uh, similar to what you want it to be. And then the rest is paint and illusion and you know, putting other things around it, like the, the heart, you know, like take a piece of my heart, why not? Oh, it's so beautiful. When you were growing up and you grew up in New Orleans, correct? Yes. 
Did you ever imagine that you would be where you are today? No, I imagined that I would be married to Prince William <laughs> and uh, Kate's kids would be right. mine. That was, uh, I really was did not dream. have a plan B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely not this. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was, you know, traveling the world William and I, and learning languages and being immersed in history, that, that I've always been interested in. But food, I think I took it for granted because I was in New Orleans and everybody can cook. You know, even when I was told my mother I was going to culinary school, Stella was not impressed because for her, she's like, well, what are they gonna teach you in school that you don't already know? Because yeah. you're from New Orleans. Like, why would you want someone to teach you? So it definitely was not this. Yeah. But you did work in the hotel industry I as did. a pastry chef. I did. Yeah, tell me about that. So I actually started out because I focused on kosher cooking and baking in school. And that's eventually what brought me to St. Louis. But I started off at the Ritz-Carlton as my first big job. You know, I was the cookie scooper extraordinaire and worked my way up through the ranks in various Ritz-Carlton's and Marriott properties. And when I finally found myself at the helm of the original hotel that I started out at, it was, you know, it was surreal. Because I was now at the top of my pastry food chain and looking down and seeing myself in younger people. And, you know, then I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. It wasn't just bread pudding and chocolate cake. Yeah. And, and speaking of younger younger people and young people and those who aspire to be pastry chefs, mm -hmm. what advice would you offer them? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep instead. <laughs> because you get up pretty early in the morning to create these we masterpieces. Do. These yeah. things don't make themselves. And you know, right. my husband's a chef and I always say to him, you know, you clean some fish and you throw some butter in a pan and you wait for somebody to order it. But with us, you know, Things start days in advance, if not weeks in advance. You gotta be able to keep up with it. And so anyone who is thinking about doing it, I think if you are saying you wanna do it because people tell you that you make nice things, that's not the reason to do it. Because it's a very uh, fascinating career, but it's a very thankless career. You have to do it for reasons other than I make nice things or it's my passion because I will tell you my passions change on a daily basis <laughs> and if I followed all of them we would not be sitting here surely yeah. so why do you do what you do because I am obsessed with creating something and also there is a little bit of an element of being involved in people's lives to a certain extent children are the best they're your worst critics but because to they're see so that, Yes, but to see that wonder in their eyes when they're trying to figure it out and they're so excited and they're so happy with anything that you do. And I don't mind that we have to clean little fingerprints off the glass every day because they come in and they're just like, you will never get that feeling again or look at something that way again. And we make that happen and mm -hmm. that's exciting. It's yeah. a rush. And, and you have competed in some competitions, right? Some baking I competitions. Have. Tell me about Always that. a bridesmaid, never a win. <laughs> hey, you're a winner in my book. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a Food Network uh, Spring Baking Championship, which was amazing. Um, and 
that actually led to my doing Cake Wars with my friend Juliana that I competed against on that show and she called me and said, girl, how about we team up and we're on the same team and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that was amazing. And so it's led to all sorts of great opportunities. Well, I have to tell you that it has been difficult doing this interview with this aroma of these sweet treats that oh, you brought has to it the been? Yes, it has been. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what have you brought for us? So today? these are some of our Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah goodies that we're offering, uh -huh. you know, for this holiday season. We've got our bourbon pecan pie, not pecan, pecan. Pecan, I hear oh, you. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. We have. Stella's 7-Up Cake, my mother, for every single holiday. And I'm only calling it that to appease her because she did not, <laughs> I would like to go on the record, she did not teach me to make this. Oh, okay, okay, Mom. You got that, Mom? <laughs> but she always had 7-Up Cake. People would beg for her to make her 7-Up Cake. And it is a staple in the South, especially in New Orleans. But you have to admit, you, you probably were inspired by her to make the cake. I was. Mm -hmm. This is so not she gets that Stella's credit, but it's not Stella's recipe. All right, Stella. <laughs> we also have our turducken croissant, turkey, duck, chicken, cornbread dressing, cranberry sauce, all stuffed inside of a croissant. Along with you mean that's what's stuffed in That's it? what's here. And then no. on top, we've topped it off with fried onions, like the ones that you would typically put on your casserole. And if you were having this in the shop, it gets heated up with a side of brown Creole gravy. Oh my gosh. This is only served oh on gosh. Saturdays and there's a maximum of two per person to purchase these. And that way we avoid all sorts of tears. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> I bet, I and bet. And then we've got some pumpkin pasties here, which are mm -hmm. definitely staff favorites. It's our yeah. pumpkin pie filling inside of a buttery, flaky dough. It's just absolutely delicious. So tell me about your clientele because I'm sure it's not just people in the neighborhood. Right. So yes. it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. People come from everywhere and we want to make sure that we have things that are somewhat recognizable but also things that they've never seen before. And so we get um, for instance, our month of magic in October, we get those reservations in and it's people coming from neighboring states. And so that's wonderful because they're in town for a day and they came in to see us and that's mm -hmm. wonderful. And then we ship our Macaron of the Month Club subscriptions. And so those are customers, you know, all over the country. Wow. Now, are your treats also in hotels and restaurants? Some of them are. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So you have probably tried our things in a variety of places. You'll definitely know if you've had one of our macaroni mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I could be biased, but <laughs> <laughs> no, not you. They're wonderful. <laughs> and they've all got usually our, our signature gold splatter on them. Yeah. So that's a telltale sign that you're having one of ours. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Are you the kind of chef that taste as you go along or you wait until after? I don't taste as I go along. Really? And a lot of times I can smell if something is off, if a recipe from the oven, even before really? you see it sometimes. Really? Can, yes, especially if it's something like a cake. Right. You know if someone mismeasured baking powder before I even open the door of the oven. Now that's a skill. Well, unfortunately it has been, uh, <laughs> had to be called on far too many times. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. And so it's it's a part of the, you know, the ongoing training, mm -hmm. things that you develop over time. Yeah, and you've got a big event coming up, right? 
We do. We have our... Uh, Don't tell. Oh. I got to take a break. Hold okay. that thought. <laughs> All righty. All right. We'll tell you what's coming up and how you can get involved after the break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. We are talking with pastry chef Simone Four, and you have a big event coming up, right? I it do. happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so our Sugar Plum Fairy Tea takes place every Saturday in December, and we are now taking reservations for that. It is a wonderful event. It's a way to come in and make memories with the little ones, and it's all surrounding food and fun and laughter. And if you're a fan of the Nutcracker, then you'll definitely recognize some of the, the food items on the menu. And then how do people make reservations? Is it online or do it they call It is simone4.com. Say it again? Simone4.com. Or you can call the shop and we'll assist with reservations. Okay, and then, because I want you to spell your last name because I don't want to even think it's F-O-U-R. Right, I know my father-in-law cringes every time he hears me pronounce my last name, but it's F-A-U-R-E. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So I can't wait to get into these. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, th this has been torturous for me. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It smells so good. <laughs> Simone Four, thank you so much for being here. I thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Yes. And thank you for joining us for the Pulse of St. Louis. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, download the Pulse of St. Louis podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. And remember, for News 24-7, download the free Fox 2 and News 11 apps. I will see you next time.